Okay, so last week we uh, we were in Luke chapter 12, and we would just pick it up right there and continue along. We stopped in verse um, 22, just prior to that, Christ, a man had come to him about uh, dividing an inheritance between him and his brother, and Christ had said, who made me a divider or, or judge over you in, in these matters of things that pertain to this worldly life. And he told a parable about a certain rich man that had a lot of stuff and that he had so much stuff that he spent his time thinking about how he was going to store it all and all the barns and stuff he was going to build. And Jesus said that he was a fool because that night his life would be required of him and that he'd die and go to God. And the things that he laid up here would not be, would not matter. This is a short life, and it, the things that we acquire in it do not matter. That they'll be left to another as we pass home. So he said in verse 21, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. So our, our mind should be constantly set towards the Lord and his will, and he, as he has put it down in this Bible and these holy scriptures. Continuing in verse 22, and he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, and what you shall eat, neither for the body, or what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Notice here he said this unto his disciples. So this was, these were the closest people to him, uh, his ministers, the ones that after his crucifixion and resurrection would be sent out into the world to spread the message of Christianity. As I've said before, most of them, all except one, actually were martyred uh, according to tradition. So he's saying here, and, and it goes for all people, it says, take no thought for your life or, or, or what you shall eat. It said, consider the ravens, for neither they neither sow nor reap, nor have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you, taking a thought, can add to his stature one cubit? So, who can make their self taller just by thinking about it? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, nor do they spin. They don't weave. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what you shall eat, nor what you shall drink, neither you be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things, but rather seek you the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I continued on there because it's a complete thought. He says, saying that uh, don't worry over much over the things that are uh, you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Mainly what we're saying here is riches in abundance because the Lord knows what you have need of 
and if you need it, it will be provided for you. Uh, this is not to be taken as saying that we shouldn't work and we should just sit here and wait on things to fall in our lap. This is not the way the Lord operates. He has given us bodies to work, and when we can, we work, and then when we can't, then we it is the duty of others to take care of us as we have taken care of them. So as you have your children when they're little, uh, you take care of them, and then hopefully the roles will reverse as we age. So, down here in the 30th verse, it says, The other nations seek for these things, these worldly goods, to have abundance of meats and foods that they can feast on. Back in the uh, the Roman times, there would be called uh, vomitoriums, and these they would eat to excess so much that they'd have to go somewhere and throw up so they could eat some more, just for the act of eating, it was a uh, uh, gross to our to my modern ears. I don't know yeah, about you guys. Uh, yeah, gluttony is a sin, or one of the seven deadly sins, so they say. <laughs> um, he says, "Rather seek you the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you." So. If we seek the Lord first, he will bless us. He knows that we have the needs of these things and he will bless us with what we can handle in this life uh, so far as meat and drink and riches. We cannot let riches overtake us. But this could be conceived to be like you shouldn't work or, or think no thought of your own provision. And we remember these are spoken to the disciples themselves that would be sent out, not necessarily to, to lay people. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs being the guidebook on how to live in the fleshly life and how to be prosperous and peaceful. We'll go to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 4. He that becometh poor dealeth with a slack hand. This is a deceitful hand. Uh, he tries to, to make money off the backs of others by deceitful means. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Someone who applies herself diligently and doesn't try to swindle people, he will be made rich. He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. So when it's time to work, it is time to work during this time. The harvest would be the time of most work. And if you've got a son and he's laid up asleep, uh, he doesn't bring you much joy. You probably want to go in there and beat him. <laughs> and, they, and I'm sure that they did go in there and beat him if they weren't uh, out there working in the field when it was time to harvest. Because, there's, as you know, there's only a certain time you can harvest and you have to work uh, from daylight to dark at that time or you're going to starve the rest of the year if you don't work when it's time to work and then after the harvest that's when they would have a lot of their festivals and and uh, they would have a lot of holidays and enjoy the fruit of the earth but if you're asleep during the, the summertime when when you're supposed to be gathering then it doesn't bode well for you during the winter when the hard times come you're going to be mighty hungry continuing on to proverbs <laughs> chapter 12 we'll start in verse 24 the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful will be under tribute. So somebody that works diligently, he will rule over many. 
But somebody who's lazy, they shall be under tribute. They'll have to pay what little they have to the person who is diligent. Heaviness in the heart maketh the man to stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. That's a, a different thought, but it's a, a good thing to know. We all know that sometimes if we're having a bad day, just a what kind word of a stranger telling us that we look good or we did some some noble deed or just some kind of word can change our whole day. So if you have the opportunity to do that to someone, it costs you nothing and it can be very valuable to them. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. Always the way of sin seduces us all and pulls at these bodies. Yes, it does. And it's very hard to resist in the flesh. The slothful man roasteth not what he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. We've probably known people that went out and killed an animal, thought they wanted to go hunting, and then when it come time to clean it and roast it, they let it go to waste. This is a sin against the animal. And it shows you're lazy, and at some point you might wish that you had the meat from that animal that you let rot. And this is saying, again, that when it's time to work, it is time to work. And one more place. We'll turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul speaking, telling the Thessalonians, uh, bringing them to remembrance. Verse 7, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. So he showed them when he went to live with the Thessalonians how to behave, and he set himself up as an example. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So when he went there, they didn't take any of the substance of the uh, the people, though it is lawful for them to do that. Jesus told the disciples that they could take what the people gave them. He told them not to go from house to house to try to gain more, but it was lawful, and it's lawful for a minister to take a wage. Other places, the Apostle Paul took a wage for, for teaching, but... He said that he did not do that of his own choice. Instead, he worked for his bread. Uh, the Apostle Paul was a tent maker by trade and also a scholar. But he was uh, uh, what he did for money was make tents. And he did this as an example to them that they wouldn't be a burden to the new Christians there. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. As long as we're able-bodied, we should work. And, you know, obviously if we've been injured or, or something like that, then we cannot work, but we do what we can. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So there were some people there that that wouldn't work, and they were basically just going around being in everybody's business and stirring up conflict. Now, them that are such, we command and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But you, brethren, 
be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Saying that these people are being busybodies and not working, uh, don't feed them, and also do not associate yourself with them. And he gave them a command by the Lord Jesus Christ that that be so. And he said that they may be ashamed of themselves. You count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So he's saying don't think bad of, or not necessarily bad of them, but don't think that they're your enemy, but a brother. But we separate ourselves until they come back into the fold. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means, the Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand which is the token of every epistle. So I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I always like the salutations and uh, the, the farewells that the, the Apostle Paul puts in his letters. They carry great power. Okay, so Jesus wasn't saying that we shouldn't work, but he was saying don't trouble <laughs> ourselves with these thoughts because... As long as we do our diligence, things will be added to us. If we are not able to be diligent by some affliction of the body, then the Lord will provide for us. He knows what things we have need of. If we have faith in Him, He will provide. We're starting back in Luke 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves with bags which wax not old, a treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupt. For where your treasure is, so will be your heart also. He's saying, dwell not too much on this life. Do good deeds, help others, do the commandments of the Lord. And when you do these things, you lay up treasure in heaven. And there's an account in your name there. And the Lord always pays back the wages that you're owed, whether your wages be good for your righteous deeds and your kindness to others, or if they be bad. He's going to pay you what you're owed. He's very specific about this in his word we're to pay our workers here today faithfully what they're owed and he will pay us in heaven if we think on our treasure in heaven we won't be like this rich man back here in verse 21 who worried about building new barns and cared not for what the lord said he said so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards god he's dead his treasures here on earth but the believers, their treasure is in heaven and they go to it at the end of their life or at the return of the Lord. Verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and ye yourselves be like unto men that wait for their Lord for when he will return from the wedding and when he will come knocking that you may open unto him immediately. This phrase, gird up your loins. In these times, um, men wore skirts, basically. And they would take the back of the skirt, the tail of the skirt, 
I bring it up around the front and tuck it in the front to, to free their legs and to cover their loins. So they did this when they were about to battle or to run or, or do uh, some great work. They would gird up their loins. And they'd have, uh, they had their lamps burning in this parable here. And that's how we are to be, that we have our souls clean so that whenever the Lord have need of us, that we can come immediately because we do not necessarily know when his call will be or for what manner of work he will have for us to do. 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and to serve them. When Jesus was on earth, he said, he who is greatest is a servant to all. Christ himself washed the feet of his disciples, showing that he was not too good to serve them, though he was their Lord. It says, blessed are the servants that when he comes, he shall find watching. That goes back to all these verses we've read where he commands us to watch. Watch the times that we know when his return may be imminent. And so when he returns and he finds those servants watching and not carried away in the cares of the world, those who are watching and waiting for him will be blessed. It is his promise. And if he shall come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known the hour that the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be you therefore ready also for the son of man cometh at an hour when you think not. So, we can take these and apply them to our time or the time since the Lord was on earth. The, the second or third watch, that would be like midnight or maybe even three in the morning. Here we are in a, a technological age. The Lord didn't come through the Middle Ages or whatnot. Maybe that's the second watch. And we can see ourselves even in the third watch at a time when we do not expect the Lord to come. They all say, all the mockers say, where is the Lord and where is the sign of his coming? Uh, if we look at the world today, we see that we are in hard times if, if we believe the words of this book and we know that they are true. The things that the Lord has commanded against have taken over uh, and they come to control this world. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, Speaketh thou this parable unto us or even unto all? So this goes back to whenever we're back in verse 22 and he said, and he started speaking unto his disciples. Everything we've read tonight, he's been speaking to his closest disciples. And then Peter asked for some clarification on is he talking to them specifically or is he giving a general message to, to all people? And we notice here the Lord does not answer him in a yea or a nay fashion. He gives a parable. Verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? Now, a steward was uh, 
like a rich man would have a person that took care of all the household duties while the Lord was off doing his own business, hanging with his rich friends and or whatever, whatever lords did in those days. He had a steward that ran the, the household to make sure supper was ready, make sure the fields were, the, the crops were harvested, making sure that his master's business was taken care of while the master was preoccupied. For truly I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the maid servants and the maidens and to eat and to drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Begin in the word, and then we think the Lord isn't coming or that he isn't watching, and we begin to behave wickedly. And when we expect him least, the Lord will put holes in our bucket and our good times will go away and we'll be destitute. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared himself not, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto Whomever much is given of him shall much be required. To whom men have committed much of him, they will ask more. So this goes back to the heart of why some people say, why is the Bible so hard to understand? Blah, 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 blah. It, it can be complicated and you do need a teacher. But the Lord obscures some things in these parables and these prophecies it's not just he doesn't just come out and say exactly what's going to happen because then these people have no excuse we'll see later on but even if moses and the prophets or somebody rose from the dead and came down to them they wouldn't have believed but now they do have some sort of claim to ignorance though it be flimsy the lord will not punish them as harshly because he sent the spirit of stupor upon them that they should believe a lie. But those who knew better and then did otherwise, then they will be beaten with many stripes. Verse 49 I have come to send fire on the earth and what will I if it already be kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with how am I straightened till it be accomplished? This word straightened is, uh, could be better translated, uh, how am I troubled until it be accomplished? Like, how much do you bother me? Are you, the trial of my nerves? So his baptism was the baptism of the crucifixion, the baptism of blood. And until then he taught, he taught the people how they were to behave and, uh, sometimes I imagine he was ready to pull his hair out with him. Verse 51. Suppose you that I have come to give peace on the earth. Question. I tell you nay, but rather division. Other places he said that he came not to bring peace, but a sword. And so it has been since Christ was on the earth. His words have divided. Uh, family against family. Nation against nation. Uh, 
Christians against Christians. The word division is where we get our word denomination from. And we see different denominations, each one having his own personal take on the on the Bible. And that is well and good. We we remember back to when the apostles came and told Christ that they saw a man casting out devils in his name that wasn't one of them. And they was like, should we stop him? And he said, no, leave him be because he who is not against us is with us. So in the last days, there will be very few true Christians. They will come from all the denominations. The differences are minute in the end, I would assume. Verse 52. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother and the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And so this is a direct quote from Micah chapter 7 verse 6. This was quoted from the Old Testament showing that the Old and the New Testament are one. Verse 54. And he said unto the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west straight away, you say, There cometh the shower. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be heat. And it comes to pass. You hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? We look now at the, the time, and we have, I saw just today, they're no longer referring to pregnant women as pregnant women. They're pregnant people, because apparently people other than women can become pregnant now. Uh, it's some news to me. When we see these things come to pass, and then we see a company known for promoting children's movies, and they fight to have this confusion thrust upon children, and they use their platform to bring wickedness into the world. We know as we see a cloud rise in the west that soon there will be rain. We know if this Bible is true, that the Lord God will not stand for this. And we've come to a point here before the, the culture was shifting that way, but as it became allowed in the highest levels of the land, there is no going back. It's a fire that has once started that's going to burn its course. Things will flip to where Christians are persecuted for our beliefs and our following of the Lord God. And the Lord God has said this thing will happen that uh, the beast shall make war against the saints and he shall overcome them. But then he said, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. He that killeth with the sword shall be overcome and taken with the sword. And he said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And so when he comes and finds those that are faithful and doing, they shall be rewarded. This things that we see now should not shake our faith but only increase it. The Lord said that in the dark and the last days that the wicked will arise and they'll go after the lust of their own hearts. 
had turned away from the truth. And so it is, so it is. All we have to do is turn on our TV. To drive that point home, we'll go to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Powerful prophet Isaiah. Isaiah's book has been called the fifth gospel because it has so much about the coming Messiah in it. And coincidentally, in 1948, or 47 actually, just before Israel became a nation again, they discovered a complete scroll of the book of Isaiah in the Dead Sea, uh, the caves of Qumran. And this was written before the time of Christ, so the scroll that we have today was written before Jesus was born. Uh, we have it in existence. That kind of put to, to rest. They were saying that the Bible had been written in 1000 AD and they just went back and edited it to make it look like Jesus had fulfilled all these prophecies in Isaiah. And they just switched around the, the words of Isaiah to make them align with Jesus being the Christ. However, now we find a complete scroll in 1947 of the book of Isaiah that is unaltered almost exactly the same as the ones we had from 1000 AD there were maybe some minor spelling issues and maybe some punctuation issues but virtually identical over a thousand years of copying from one to the other Isaiah we'll start in verse 5 18. Woe. Woe is uh, the word that tells you you better watch out that bad times are coming. Woe unto them that draw inequity with cords of vanity and sin as if it were a cart rope. So they hook themselves to this sin and they draw it and they pull it and say, let, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strong drink to mingle strong drink which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. So woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and woe unto them that promote these things. And we see it every day now. Every day now, the things that we see are incredibly wicked. The murderers, killers, rapists, sodomites, confusing of what a man, what a woman is. All these things this Bible speaks out against, and I will personally speak out against them. Though that these are not the unforgivable sins, these people may turn from their wickedness and come to the true grace of the Lord. When they are involved in these sins, we will separate ourselves from them, and we will not promote these things. And let the Lord sort it out, as he said he will. So, we'll end there for tonight. Any questions? Comments? Concerns?